greatest strengths to be together as a family. Absolutely. Have the more mature ones like me in the house. And having the younger ones like Callum in the house. And all the little ones as well. So uh, let's give them a hand. Fantastic. And uh, we'll run that video. Thanks, uh, AV people.
I'd like to be able to give everybody a pair of new glasses today. You know, there are enough critics in the world, uh, but what we really need is more cheerleaders. It's easier to find coal than diamonds. It's easier to be negative than positive. It's easier to doubt than to believe. And I would rather be a great chef than a great food critic. I would rather be a great singer than a theatre critic. I would rather be a great sports person than a sports critic. And I would rather be a great believer than a great pretender. But I would rather love the church than criticise her. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, Let us who? Help me. Let who? Hold fast our confession. This is the thing that comes out of our mouth of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. There's the good news. Let's hold fast. Let's stand our ground. Let's not be moved. Let not our conversation be changed, but hold fast to the confession. A confession is something you often say about what you're expecting, what you're hoping, what you're anticipating. A confession is positive of our hope. Hope that we have. Why? Here's a good reason. Jesus is faithful. He comes through. He keeps his promises. Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, and exalting one another so much more seeing you see the day approach. Who knows that we're getting closer to the end? You don't have to read the newspapers, guys. You don't have to turn on the TV to know that we are getting to the end of time, at least as we know it. And so the Bible has this instruction for us that as we get there, we should be doing something. One of the things that the Bible asks us to do is to hold fast what comes out of our mouth, our confession. And it should be a confession of hope because we can have hope because he is faithful. We can have hope because Jesus is faithful. You can face disease, you can face financial ruin, you can face struggle, but you can hold fast to the confession because Jesus is faithful. Let me just say that one of the things that the church wants to do is bring the best out of people and not the worst out of people. And there are three quick points I want to be able to give to you. In order to bring the best out of the person sitting next to you, I believe there's three quick points. One, appreciate them. When you look at children, they blossom and they grow under the praise, but when they are given criticism, they will often end up being very withdrawn. Today they say one in every three females growing up today lives in a world where they feel they'll never make it. They'll never measure up. I don't know what the statistics are for boys. So they've got teenagers now committing suicide, self-harming, going through all sorts of angst that some of us never really had to deal with. If only you feel love, if the only time, if the only time you feel love is when you do right, look right, speak right, have the right iPhone, then you are going to have a miserable life. We need to appreciate people. Amen? 
you know, the average successful married couple will simply compliment their partner one time for every seven times of criticism. Now, that doesn't make sense to me because there's still more criticism. True. All the married people, am I saying the truth? Sometimes it's easier to say you burnt the toast, honey. Sometimes you burnt the toaster. But a successful marriage will survive on one compliment out of every seven. Because why? Compliments are so powerful. Absolutely so powerful. Why don't we just hold fast to the confession of our faith and start changing what we expect of people? One of my favourite movies is the one featuring the school teacher, Stanley Garcia. He's a maths teacher. And he's given this uh, a Bronx school and they're full of um, Mexicans who are finding it difficult to actually find their way in life. And he teaches them calculus. And so over and over again, he's got these kids coming from the other side of the railway tracks and he says, you can do it. And his catchphrase is this, you're the best, show me. Matthew, you're the best, show me. Kerry, you're the best, show me. Wouldn't, wouldn't we change the world if we would simply say to people, you're the best, show me. I was listening, who, who knows of TED.com? One person here, these, these would be the really in crowd. Who knows that TED.com? There's a few more people admitting to it. And stuff. Uh, it's just a website that really features new ideas and creative thinkers and whatever. And if you want to go there, you can look at the story of Jarrett Karazak, I think his name is. I probably mispronounced it. But this now is a very successful children's author. I mean, by successful, he's a millionaire now. He's got multiple publications. He's broken into this market of writing, you know, books for children. And he describes his journey. He says his mother was a heroin addict who spent most of his life in spent most of her life in jail. He only learned the first name of his father when he was about six or seven years of age, and only only met him later on in life. So substantially, he's been raised by his grandparents who had their own issues, and he's a He's a kid who doesn't fit in, but he somehow finds relief in the artwork. And as you look at the video, the artwork is the same stuff that every parent pins on their fridge. You got something, Mum? Got something, Dad, that you've pinned up for your uh, child, your grandchild? I mean, it's some of it is actually not the most amazing stuff. So that's what his artwork was. And he just records one day as he's finding some sort of escapism in doing this artwork. He's only a little tick-attack, only a little fella. As someone comes to the primary school who was a published author who wrote children's books, and so he gives a little talk in front of the kids, and then they all have to go away and do some drawing. And so all the kids are there, and he's walking around, this published author. He walks around, he goes past one drawing, goes past, comes up to his drawing, and changes the boy's life forever with two words. Do you want to know what those two words are? Nice cat. Change the boy's world because he simply said, nice cat. And something shifted in the heart of this little boy where he suddenly thought, I can draw nice cats. And within that has grown a development 
which he started to give himself more to his artwork and whatever. And it recalls of another time where he's now beginning to get some sort of social acceptance amongst his peers in the classroom because he wasn't into sports, he wasn't a butch boy, all those sorts of things. So he started to get class acceptance by drawing pictures of the teachers and handing them out. And one of the pictures, you actually see the picture he drew of the teacher and stuff. So they've handed this picture out of the teacher and one of the boys in class laughed. <laughs> teacher noticed it and he's now sent up to the principal for the first time holding the piece of paper in his hand. So he's sitting there. He is terrified. First time ever on detention. I know none of you ever had to do detention when you grow up, so this might be really new for you. So he's there doing detention. The principal comes out. And he says, I, I, I'm in trouble. I've been sent here by the teacher and stuff, you know, because of this. And he hands the, hands the piece of paper over to the principal. And here, here again, here's a moment. The principal opens up the picture and says, hey, that's pretty good. Nice cat. <laughs> and today is now travelling the world. There is incredible ability when we cheer people on. Can I say to you, Champion Lakes Christian Church, you are better than what you think you are. You are stronger than what you believe, that you can do many, many things, because ultimately God has placed his hand upon your life and he's seeking to raise you up and to give you a place and a destiny in life. So appreciate them. Anticipate the best. Instead of anticipating the worst, actually... Think the best of people. Look, I would rather get disappointed by having high expectations of people that let you down than have it the other way around, which is I don't expect anything, you know. The world sucks, nothing works, you know. I mean, let's be bigger and better than that and talk people up. Tell them that they can do it. I am so concerned of all the dream stealers in the world. You know, out of the mouth of a little child or a mother wanting to start a new business or a father, a single father wanting to look after a child by their own. And out comes the mouth of so many people, things that steal the dream and say you can't do it. It's not possible. You're mad. You're crazy. Well, I want to tell you today, you can do it. Because greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. That God is faithful. You can hang on to your confession. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know who's going to pay for it. But I'm going to hope in God because he is faithful. And just moving forward fairly quickly, appreciate them, anticipate the best. But can also say then we've got to accept our responsibility. We have a choice to be a belittler or a builder, an encourager or a discourager, a critic or a cheerleader. Can anybody cheer the pastor on today? John Maxwell says, he's a leadership guru, says it's a lift principle. There are people in your life that the moment you enter into their sphere of influence, they will always push the up button or the down button. It's the default setting. It's the sunglasses that you view the world. I want to be a people that when you enter into my sphere of influence, you'll get a pat on the back and I'll say, I'll be praying with you, I'll be believing with you, that you can make a difference where you are. Let's be people that know how to lift the people around us. It's really easy to put people down. Yeah? Very easy. I always am fascinated by the idea 
in contrast to Jarrett Hossett and his nice pack, that when Adolf Hitler was doing his art classes in Vienna, maybe someone come across and said, Adolf, that's a nice pack. Maybe he would have had a different world. Amen? But he was told, you've got no talent, left and took up the Third Reich, Keynesian. You know, this is a, a probably well-known to some of us today, but Felice Bridges of Del Mar, California, developed a program that says who you are makes a difference. And it's called Blue Ribbon Day in America. It's got different names around the world. It's now touched over 27 million lives. She just began as a school teacher, wanting to teach on the whole idea of honour, respect, and just how powerful honour and respect are. And so she just taught her students, what I want you to do is, here's three blue ribbons. And the ribbons simply say on them, who you are makes a difference. She challenged her primary school students to go out and to give away one of the ribbons. And as she, they give away one of the ribbons to someone that they respect, they're to pass on the other ribbons that are to be passed on. So you're creating a, a web, a chain reaction of honour and respect and encouragement. You, you get the deal? So she gives this out to one of her students. One of the students, true story, he uh, had to do a school project where it was about careers and uh, what you're going to do later in life. So he went to a local business and one of the junior executives in that business actually spent time with him working on the project and saying, you know, if you want to come and be an, an engineer, this is, and work with him all that. And so the primary school student went to this junior executive and said, uh, look, I really want to thank you. I did well in my project and you really helped me. And so uh, who you are makes a difference to me. Can I, can I pin this on you? He says, yes, that's, that's fantastic. He says, look, the only thing is that I've got to give you two other ribbons and you've got to hand those two ribbons on and then the next person, they've got to hand on the other ribbon. So are you prepared to actually keep the chain of encouragement going? And the junior executive says, oh, okay, okay. And he's thinking about it now. I've got these two ribbons I've got to get rid of. Made a promise to a kid, nice. I'm feeling good about myself, but I've got to get... And he, and he, he had this phone call from his boss, and his boss started to you know, yell at him, all the rest, and he puts it there, and he suddenly realises he's got this attitude about his boss. And he starts to think a minute, hey, my boss is strong. And he's very forthright. And he often gives me a bit of a kick in the pants. But the truth is, the man is a creative genius. He works hard. And without that drive in our boss, this company would have gone down, would have gone downhill years ago. We've seen our competitors disappear, and we're still now kicking goals and all the rest. So he had this idea, well, I'll go and give this to my boss. So he goes, knocks on the boss's door. The boss, you know the most friendly person. Yeah, what do you want? says, oh, well, this is a bit strange. And he explains the whole deal and says, well, I want to give you one of the ribbons because who you are makes a difference to me. The fact that you are a creative genius, you work so hard, you're passionately committed to excellence, making the business successful. Can I give you one of the ribbons? And all of a sudden, this big, rough, you know, guy of rough edges, he starts to melt. Gets this nice glow. Yeah, that'd be really nice. And he, so he's got one. He's got one left. So he's driving up. He's a busy guy. And, you know, he's one of those guys who's got a thousand things at the moment going on in his head. And he's got one ribbon. On the way home, 
he's suddenly, you know, looking for things that are easy to do in a space of time. And he thought, I've got a 14-year-old son, and, you know, we're not doing so good at present in terms of relationship, etc. So what I'll do is I'll give him the ribbon. That way I don't have to go out, make a separate appointment, whatever, and he might like it. So instead of going into his studies, he normally does, and eating over the computer... He uh, goes up to his son's room, he's locked down there for his iPod and, you know, just listens to book, book music and, and extracts him out of that virtual reality. And he then says, uh, son, look, I, I know sometimes I don't have a lot of time for you and, I'm, look, I'm really sorry for that and I yell at you because your school marks aren't good and I yell at you because, you know, your room's not clean. But, son, I want to tell you, that apart from your mother, you are the most important person in my life and you make a difference to me. And with that, the son suddenly bursts into tears and starts to deeply sob, deeply struggle with what's going on. And he says, well, you know, what, what's, what's the go here? And he said, and he said, look, Dad, and he goes over to his dresser and takes out a note. And it was a suicide note that he'd written for himself. He had been so lost and suffering from some really personal issues in terms of seeing it. He really thinks no one cares, no one bothers. And at that moment, his life was saved. He says, I don't think I need to do that anymore. And put it on, who you are makes a difference. Can I tell you, can I look you in the eyeballs today, every one of you, and say this to you? Who you are makes a difference. Absolutely. And the wonderful thing that we have in faith and Christianity, we get to choose what sort of a difference it is. Because some of us make a difference, but uh-oh, look out, Keating's coming, run. <laughs> look out, more bad jokes. Who you are makes a difference, guys. It, your sphere of influence is powerful and you can be an appreciator of people, you can anticipate the best out of people, but we also have to accept our own responsibility. Who you are makes a difference. Guys, can I tell you, we will either control our attitudes or our attitudes will control us. Can I get one amen? Just one. <laughs> Fantastic. So let me say to you what the Bible says again. Let us, who? Let us hold fast the confession. That's what comes out here. This means if anybody's going to do anything about what we're saying here today, it means we're going to change what we say. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Some people just stop there to stir. <laughs> Come together to stir. And do not forsake the assembling. Just quickly. My wife got hold of a trestle from the garden. Made in China. You've got to stick it together. You know the art thing? Stuff. Simple instructions. Simple. There were 50 pieces written in Chinglish. This simple thing took me hours and I had parts left over. <laughs> I mean, how bad is that? But, you know, listen, guys. Hear me. 
being together in the box is not the same as being assembled. Different, isn't it? Can I tell you the real truth now? One of the great challenges of the Church of Jesus Christ these days is that we've got a lot of people together in the box, but we're not assembled. We're not actually locked into our right place in the body. We're not connected. We're not like the jig- we're like a jigsaw puzzle that's unassembled, you know, in the box. But are we connected? Are we working together? And what God wants the Church of Jesus Christ to be, particularly as we get towards the end, is that we are assembled. I need to just land the plane and let you go home. Here we go. Can I suggest you that we are to stay together to build others? That we are to say together to build others? And that we are to stir together to build others? May you be lifted today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you've given us this incredible ability to be an influence and to be influenced by others. Help us, Lord, in 2013 to be those that uh, proactively make the decision to build others. Lord, your word tells us in Proverbs 18 that there is life and death, Lord, in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Lord, I pray that my tongue will hold to the confession of a good hope, a positive expectation, because you are faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And uh, it has been so good to have you in church.